Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, first meeting new direct series. Be timely. Here we go. In earlier guidance, we recommended managers have a first meeting with their new team member, right? That's right. We've yeah. talked about that before and we talked kind of about the details of about that meeting. We encourage you to recommend to your direct some always applicable guidance. Be honest, okay? <laughs> Be kind. Yeah. And achieve results. Kind of be a manager tools manager. Kind of, right? Yeah, kind of. And yeah. we also recommended that you make the meeting the first of several weekly meetings where you regularly communicate about important issues with your team. Yeah. And today we're going to continue along with some additional guidance about that. Yeah. Now, those of you who have listened to the previous meetings, some of this stuff is going to be a bit of, it's going to be repeat. We have six points to cover. The first four are really logistical and we covered them before we talked in the last one. We talk about doing it about a week apart. You do it at the first meeting in the morning, you send a meeting request, and you also send guidance, expect to update me to catch up with them on how they're doing in their first weeks and so on. Then we add two new points here. One is we've gotten some questions about why don't we do this all at once? And the reason why is because you can't cover all of these topics we're gonna suggest you cover in one meeting. It just makes all of them unimportant or the meeting too long. And then, then our guidance, what to cover and how to cover it is be timely. So that's it. Good. Okay. So first point, one week later. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a week exactly. You could do these once a day if you wanted to. The reason we recommend weekly is to give people a chance, for direct, the new direct to go and do stuff and for you to be able to check in with them about how things are going. And we're not going to recommend more than five of them. You, I mean, you, you could have more if you chose to communicate more, but having 10 or 20 is, is, is logistically difficult for most people. And it's probably too much stuff. You could probably cover two at a time, two topics at a time and cut down on the number. So we're saying one week after your initial meeting with your new direct. Well, actually, I think we had a, this is actually the third in the series. The first meeting, the first cast we had about this was actually our 500th cast back. It's been, I think it's been a year and a half ago, Mike. And uh, then we've had another one since then. Um, so this is the third, so the third, third podcast in the series. Um, if you wanted to do, again, if you wanted to do them once a day, that's okay. I probably wouldn't do them that fast. And the reason why is because you want to detect if they're getting off on the wrong foot, right? You, you want more than just a day, but you could do them more than once a week. You do them twice a week or something like that. But not every day. Yeah, you could. It's just, I, I think you miss the opportunity to find out how things are going. You'd still get to deliver your the, the point, um, but, but we're doing these meetings separated because A, we want to deliver this message in this case about being timely. And then also we want to check on how they're doing. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and so it takes more than just a day. And the first day or the second day or the third day, they're probably not feeling trends and you're not going to see a trend. And look, it gives you a chance in the intervening week to say, what we, again, what we said before, how's it, you ask other people, how's the new guy working out? How's he doing so far? What's your sense of the new guy? Any concerns? What do you like? Those kinds of things. And what I'm amazed by is the number of men. No, that's not true. What frustrates me, I'm not amazed. It's been, been like this for 25 years. It frustrates me, the number of managers who are so down in the weeds and so, I think, worried about, about how they're doing and about whether they're doing it right, and thus manager tools, that, that um, they miss the ability to see trends and patterns. 
they can't get up above the weeds. They can't get to a thousand feet, let alone 30,000 feet and say, what am I seeing? What's the pattern? So we want to engage in behaviors that make patterns easier to see. Because if you're always addressing items or events or moments, you may in fact be, be addressing a symptom and not a cause, or you may be pushing the wrong lever. And so we want to have a series of discussions so that patterns emerge. Can I compare his or her answer in week three to week one or week four in week two, just to see whether or not something's changed? So that's the reason for a series, not covering everything all at once and for spreading them out. Good, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So we also recommend that it be the first meeting of the morning. Yeah, it's just, it carries special meaning. Right, sends a, yeah, it sends an important message. Yeah, probably your director will have thought about the meeting the day before, right, the night before. Hopefully, gosh, I, you know, I don't, I never come to work without having thought about my, what my schedule is the next day, the night before. It's a tone setting meeting and they're not gonna be contributing a lot to your team or the business day one, day two, even day five or day 10. Or if they are contributing a lot, they'll be contributing a lot more day 100, day 200, day 300, because they'll have learned how things work. E even somebody from a different department in the same company, a transfer, um, they're gonna make more impact as they learn more. It's the classic McGuire hump of the horseman curve. So this meeting is gonna be important to them and they will have thought about it. And so you'll have better results. And it sends a message of, nope, this meeting has to be the first one of the day. I wanna start with this. People will say, oh, it's not just another meeting. I guess you correct yourself early. It's not amazing to me, but it, it is yeah, frustrating yeah. sometimes that managers don't realize that everything they do sends a message and the beginnings yeah. of relationships are delicate times. Uh, and here's an, here's an opportunity once again to send a message. Yeah, I say frustrated only because I've been doing this this long because when I was 25, 24, 23 and a manager, I didn't know any better. So we, we Mike and I guys, just for the record, Mike and I weren't born great managers. We learned the hard way. And the reason manager tools exists is to help you not learn the way we did, which is, oh, that was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to do that ever again. And then I'll try something different. Ooh, that way is dumb too. And then finally after six tries, oh, that way kind of worked. No, you got it in six? Yeah. Oh man, it took, no, took, yeah, me, well, took me a lot longer than that. Yeah, 16 <laughs> yeah. And then next thing is we recommend you send a meeting request. Now this is not true for every organization, but I'm amazed at the number of managers who um, for their own schedules, walk by and say, hey, why don't you come see me at two o'clock or whatever. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of meeting requests, um, but sending a meeting request through email gives you a sense of how that person responds to email, uh, how they respond to meeting requests. And I'll tell you, I've done it before. I look at their calendar. Uh, they're busy Tuesday morning and you know at eight o'clock and i send them a meeting request saying i'd like to meet with you tuesday at eight o'clock i'm going to see how smart they are whether or not they move that other meeting provided something that i think they can move and then look the meeting only has to be 30 minutes long and it's funny i i think in our previous guidance we've said something to the effect of look if you're somebody who's late schedule it for an hour but i gotta tell you something if you're late to a meeting about timeliness <laughs> <laughs> Don't bother okay. having it. Okay. Maybe. It couldn't get much worse than that. Yeah. Next point is send guidance. Expect to update me. And that's that's guidance before the meeting, right? And what's the objective here? Yeah, the purpose of the meeting is twofold. You want to give guidance and you want to hear from them about how they're doing. 
I ain't going to tell you something. If I send a note to one of my directs, I'm going to do two things. I've got some guidance for you about timeliness. And the second thing is, I want to hear how you're doing. And they sit down and I said, let's start with how you're doing. And they say, fine. And I say, well, okay, elaborate. No, really just fine. I probably stop and I go, hey, look, just, just to be clear, the meeting was for two reasons. One, to give you some guidance. And two, to hear how you're doing. If I am going to schedule a meeting with you, hear how you're doing, I expect to hear more than fine. Yeah. Could you help solve this problem in terms of expectation setting by maybe even naming the, the meeting on your calendar and their calendar, assuming, assuming they ha you have shared calendar, something like, you know, guidance slash update or check-in slash feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Make sure you list both. Sure. And then be willing to probe a little bit. You know, where are you on your onboarding list? Anything surprising you? Tell me about your interaction with your teammates. And I got to tell you, if I get, I'm fine, all good. Yeah, I've been to some meetings. Be like, look, time out. This is important, and you're blowing me off. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like it. <laughs> By the same token, if somebody new comes in and says, "Hey, can you can you tell me a little bit about what my job will be?" Oh, we'll work it out. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna be fine. We'll tell you. It'll be good. That person's gonna leave the meeting going, "Well, I didn't learn what I needed to know." And so I would probably say to a person who gave me short answers, "Look, either let's do this tomorrow, or I'll give you a pass this time, but." Next time we do this meeting, we're going to do another one sometime next week. I'm going to cover a different topic. I expect you to be ready to brief me a little bit on how things are going, who you've talked to, what your experience has been, what stumbling blocks you have, um, things that have gone well, people who have gone out of their way to help you, you know, what deadlines you have to meet this week, how are you doing with those deadlines, those kind of things. I expect you to brief me on those things next week. It'd be disconcerting to me if uh, somebody had been with, been with the team for a couple of weeks and couldn't couldn't talk about their relationships and interactions with other team members. Yeah, that would, yeah. that would worry me a little bit. Yeah. And look, what we're, again, we want to ask generally the same set of questions every week. These are not ask one question each week. We want to hear how they're doing. And I'd love for the direct after three or four of these meetings to go, Hey, my boss asked me the same questions every week. I guess I better be ready for those. Yeah, you better. And hopefully they'll learn the second thing, which is, ah, He's asking me the same questions because he wants to, he's testing, he's measuring the same things. I'm always amazed at companies. Recently in the U.S., they changed the way um, gross, gross national product is, is calculated. And it looked like the gross national product increased. And I remember several months ago, several years ago, France, I think, led the way saying, we should change. We shouldn't measure gross national product. We should measure gross national happiness which is literally the most galactically dumb thing that anyone has ever said. That said, part of the reason it's dumb is because don't change measures. Or if you're going to, make sure you measure both for a year. But people are always changing measures. They're changing systems. Keeping sim systems simple and keeping measures basic will keep you from changing them all the time. People do this all the time with customer service. We're gonna change how we measure customer service. We don't like this one. Well, we've only got two years of data, and so we're only just really now understanding what it is the metrics are showing us. If we change it and we go from a five-point scale to an eight-point scale, nobody's gonna know how to evaluate whether or not that number on the eight-point scale is any good or not. But hopefully the direct realizes that we're asking the same questions and we're looking for trends. 
and folks, the assumption here is if you're going to ask the same question every time and you're going to think about this as measuring trends and you have to write this down. Yeah, exactly. Right? And you're going to be taking notes, which is, which which could lead to an interesting conversation with the direct as well. Yeah. And for some of you, I, I we hear this a lot when I teach one-on-ones. People say, well, you know, what are the chances I'm going to go back and look at that a year, you know, a year from now? Well, actually better than normal if you're in a one-on-one writing down performance comments because you're going to use those at the end of the year when you write a review. One, That's one thing. But the second thing is, we don't think you're going to look back at it a year ago. And so therefore, by the way, that's the reason why you don't have to type it. We're asking you to write it down because it sends a message that what your directs is saying is important. And you'll be better at remembering anything you have to write down. It's the nature of taking notes. The science on note taking is pretty well settled. And people who write things down in meetings remember more. The things that get written down are the things that you remember the most. And the things that get written down in one-on-one conversations are the things that people believe the other person values. So that's the reason you write it down. Yeah, and it's much more likely you're going to notice notice things that you need to do as a result of writing it down. So, for example, if you wrote down that the person is, you know, struggling to fit in two or three times with different folks, then that might lead you, when reviewing your notes, to create a task to go check in with some of the other team members about about that, right? What do you think? Is she fitting in or not? Yeah, exactly. Now, there's a lot of things to cover, right? And you can't can't cover all these topics in one meeting. Yeah, the direct can't assimilate all this. It'll just become sort of a standard briefing. You'll cover each topic too fast and then the meeting will come, will become too long. Some people have actually asked about this. Say, ah, give me all the topics now. <laughs> I love that. Because they just want to have one meeting. That worries me because, you know, it seems when somebody asks that question and they want to get through it and get through all the topics in one meeting, that suggests to me that they're more interested in talking than they are listening. That's part of it. You're more right than me. There's another part of it, which is they're trying to be efficient. When it comes to communication, the analogy I have is, yeah, go ahead and send an email. And you ask yourself, is the email a better way to communicate than face-to-face, provided there's no difference in, in the, the burden of getting it done? Face-to-face is just as easy as email because somebody's sitting right inside your cube. It's never a good idea to send email. Uh, there are rare exceptions, a long list or something like that. But there are a lot of people, particularly high Ds, high Cs, you technology folks, oh, I'll send an email. Uh, or I, I prefer to be efficient because I have so much to do. Yeah, but communication, the key to communication is not efficiency, it's effectiveness. And so the idea of getting it all done in one meeting, hey, I'm done, I can check off five topics that I covered. Yeah, and they didn't hear any of them. And they're not gonna be able to act on any of them. And it didn't do any good, but you saved yourself a bunch of time. And frankly, this stuff is so important. It's so basic. You'd almost be like, no, this is the stuff that sometimes the things that go without saying need to be said out loud repeatedly. Yeah. And look, and we want repeated visits early in the relationship. We want to see and hear how they're doing. We want to be reminded of the need to overinvest in them at the beginning. And guys, don't please don't tell us you don't have time. Maybe you feel like you don't. But this is a case of you can pay me now or you can pay me a lot more later. Which reminds me of the great Fram oil filter commercials. Look, if you want to have a great relationship, prevention and wellness are the way to do it. Okay? You don't want to have great, try to have a great relationship with the drama of recovery. And that, that goes along with our general guidance that good management is boring and repetitive and not exciting and dramatic. Yeah. We have some new guidance to add to the guidance we've, yeah. we've given before. And that's be timely. 
Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this for hours. I could. I'm amazed. Um, I shouldn't be, but I'm amazed at how often time is not considered a competitive advantage. And, you know, time doesn't exist, but it sure does matter. Companies that miss deadlines on projects deliver late to the market, unless they do what a lot of companies do and do a scope change. People that are habitually late to meetings miss deadlines. By the way, that's data, guys. It's not my opinion. Okay. People who miss deadlines tend to be less professional about keeping their commitments, in part because deadlines tend to be one of the most commonly made commitments. If you miss a deadline, you're missing a commitment. You failed to keep a commitment. If you knew the deadline existed, you've essentially, by silence at minimum, have agreed to meet the deadline and you've made a commitment to do so. Look, if your culture is one where time is respected and seen as a measure of professionalism, obviously you need to help your direct see that, even if they're coming from a different part of the same company. If you don't do it, you're setting them up for failure because you may not have addressed that. I'm always amazed at the number of managers who rate timeliness as an eight or a nine or a 10. Sometimes they don't. And then you ask them, well, how much time do you spend tracking stuff down that's late? And they're like, well, I do a lot of that. Well, okay. So high timeliness would be good for you, right? And they, they give it a high score, but then they don't ask questions or probe for that behavioral set during interviews. Mm. Dude, dude, timeliness should be something you ask about in an interview as well. If it's important enough to be screened for in the limited amount of the time you have during an interview, it's important enough to be reinforced early and often when somebody's hired. What about cultures? A lot of a lot of our listeners are probably going like, "Yeah, well, that's not my organization." <laughs> what about me? Where I'm in an organization hey, where timeliness is not one of those imperatives out there. I guess what I would say: imagine how much more effective your organization could be if it was. <laughs> I had a conversation with a mid-level manager a couple of years ago who said, "Well, that's just not our culture, Mark. We don't stress about deadlines. We do really good, high-quality work, and quality takes time." And so. I was surprised by that. I mean, I, I respected what these folks did was on the art side rather than the science side. Although now we, by the way, I talked to a scientist the other day. He said, oh, no, science, good science takes time. I'm like, okay, okay, all right, great. Anyway, I was surprised. And I asked his boss's boss to comment because I was trying to validate that the culture was, you know, time is not a big deal. The boss said, who said that? Oh, no, that's like, yeah, not good. Yeah, it's like very ominous, like, yeah, no, that guy's just crazy. He's smoking crack over there. <laughs> so look, we recommend you set a standard of timeliness with any new direct you hire or anybody who joins your team. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. You don't just have these meetings with young new professionals. You do this with anyone who's new to your team. Even if they already know this stuff, you're establishing early the culture of your team. This is how you do it. So look, you know, you may have your own way of doing this, folks, and we encourage you to do it in a way that works for you. But if you don't have a way to cover it, here's how it might sound. And of course, those of you with show notes, if you're a licensee, you can just print the show notes and we've written the speech for you. And if you write a better one, or if you'd like to share what you do, please send us an email to service at manager-tools.com and let us know what you came up with. You may, in fact, be able to improve upon this. And if you do, we'll share it with people. So here's how it might sound. Be a timely professional. Time matters. We behave as if it does. Every day we delay a product release is a day of lost revenue and increased costs. Every day we don't respond to a customer gives our competitors a chance to talk to them when they're disappointed with us. Every missed deadline without a sense of failure is accepting less of ourselves than we ought to. Be punctual. 
being late to a meeting isn't cool. It isn't a sign that you're busy or busier than everyone else. Everywhere I go, people are busy. Everyone's busy. People who are late aren't, in my experience, more busy than those who are on time. They're just poorly managing their schedule and their commitments. It's funny how people who are late to meetings repeatedly never seem to miss an airplane flight. They don't miss the flight because they know there's a consequence. That plane isn't going to wait for them. But what they say by being late to a meeting is that they themselves are unwilling to deliver consequences to themselves in the form of embarrassment and regret. It's not a professional way to go through life to have external forces be the only way one motivates oneself. Think about that, guys. There are plenty of incredibly busy people who are always on time. It's because they see schedules and meetings and deadlines as personal commitments, which they are. You schedule it, you accept the meeting, you agree to the deadline, you've made a commitment. And to be honest, there's no room here for people on my team who don't keep their commitments. Those of you who know the systemic feedback model know that. Meet your deadlines. Deadlines are commitments. You agree to it or you're assigned it, it's yours. You're committed. If you miss, you failed. And look, it's okay to fail. We all fail a lot around here, but we don't act as if we didn't or as if failure didn't matter. A true professional hangs her head a bit at a missed deadline. So it's fine to miss deadlines every once in a while. When a professional does, what they do is communicate in advance when they're going to miss. I don't think I can imagine a deadline that I knew about that I suddenly missed. Don't try to hide. Be respectful and let other people know. Others rely on your work being done and it being done in a timely way. And look, help others meet their deadlines too. If you want to be a team, that means helping each other when we can. Take less time. Your dry cleaner takes two to three days to return your clothes, but it only takes them something like 12 minutes to add value of cleaning that suit or that blouse. There's a lot of wait time in there, a lot of non-value added. Look at what you do and eliminate actions that don't add value. Experiment with new ways. Don't assume the way we do it is the right way or the only way. Combine my earlier guidance about asking questions and your fresh set of eyes and take time out of our processes. Don't wait. Act. Now. That's my ultimate guidance regarding timeliness. Don't wait. Act. Now. That's what we recommend you say. And that's it. Very good. I love that. I love timely people. And I, I don't hate untimely people, but the people who, pr- who crow about, I'm always late. Oh, I'm always late. Huh? Like, dude, please stay away from me. Go to work for my competitor. Make them late. I like having scripts like the one you just walked through in terms of preparing me for. Yeah. And helping me put words to, to what you shared. Yeah. I, I, I know that some of you go, well, that's Mark. And it is, guys, it is. That's cobbled together from years and years and years of notes on napkins and so on. And in fact, this is really a part of a larger cast about professional tools or career tools around timeliness and words around it. And and those may not be your words exactly. Use your own examples. Come up with your own script. That's okay. We want you to be authentic. You don't have to become somebody you're not. You certainly don't have to become me or Mike or Wendy or Danny or Tracy or Kate or Liza or Kay in order to to be a great manager or a great professional, make it your own. But one of the great things about being an adult and human and free is you can learn from other people. And that's why we're doing this. Okay. Let me wrap up. So 
This is the third in the series. We're going to do it about a week apart. You can do it faster. We do it the first meeting in the morning. You send a meeting request. You expect an update. Make sure, don't try to cover everything all at once. And then now you have a script for being timely. If you don't think timeliness is as important to you as it is to us, we encourage you to write us a note and try to convince us because we'll win that argument. And we want to because sooner or later, you're going to work for a boss that timeliness matters. And if you ever worked in an organization where people met their commitments and where deadlines were important, and what, by the way, in, in organizations where deadlines are important, there are a lot less deadlines, you'll discover that you like it a lot more than places where people are habitually late. We're going to have a couple of more topics in this series. And this is just an example of investing early in relationships because when it comes to being an effective manager, relationships rule. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. I enjoyed you that. You bet, partner. Anytime. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.